Good morning. Welcome. We had a really good time on Friday, and if you miss it, it's okay. We'll do it again. But let's stand. We're going to worship, and God's got good things, so let's go. There's a sling in my voice and a stone in my praise Pushing back when the darkest weapons form There's a power on my lips even death can't defy When the name of our God is lifted high Cause there is resurrection Sing the name of Jesus, resurrection power. He raised a mighty sound. So come on, let our praise get loud. Make that empty grave freeze out. Cause there is resurrection power in his name. There are days I
As I walk now through the valley, let your love above every fear. Like the sun shaping the shadow in my weakness, your glory.
church. Church, what I love about our God is that he is not just some statue or something that's without life that we worship, but he is living, he is active, and he's active in each of our own lives. Like, he is actively working within each of us through the power of his Holy Spirit. And all that needs to happen within us for, for God to be able to do that is just for us to get ourselves into a place of desperation and openness, of surrender, of complete openness to his Holy Spirit. And I know, I mean, it's scary for me, for a lot of us, this is a scary thing to surrender oneself completely. But I just want to challenge you today that when you take a step like that, when you sing a song like this, a dangerous song that just says, I'm not enough, Lord, unless you come and meet me here. Say those words and watch what the Spirit of God will do in your life. You know, and Heather said it earlier, but we did come out of just an incredible time of worship Friday night, and it really just centered around how when we take time, even in the busyness of our lives, to slow ourselves down and sing something like this, God is able to do things that go beyond our wildest dreams. And so I don't know how you've come into this place today, but I would love, we're going to sing this chorus one more time. And I would love to challenge you to just sing these words out with everything you've got and make this your prayer today that we want collectively in this place and those of you who are online, we want collectively for the Spirit of God to move like He never has before, to move in our hearts today. Let's cry out to Him together. I'm not enough unless you come Will you meet All I want is all you are. Will you meet me here again? Sing it again, church. I'm not enough unless you come. Will you meet me here again? Spirit of God, we come before you, Lord, right now in prayer. God, with open hearts, we just invite your Holy Spirit to do what he wants to. 
in this place. And God, with every bit of ourselves, God, we just want to worship you and praise you fully because you deserve our highest praise. So God, with many, many hallelujahs, we cry out just our thankfulness, Lord, for all that you do. In the mighty name of Jesus.
Worship a good God, church. Amen. Come on, it's 11 a.m. service. You had an extra hour of sleep. We worship a good God. Amen. Amen. Now, I know some of us are coming in here this morning, and it may be easy for us to proclaim that with our lips, to feel that in our hearts because things are going well. We have been blessed. We are enjoying what is going on in our lives and our families, but there are others that may be coming in here where those words on their lips may feel empty. We may be coming in here dealing with hardship either in our own lives or we're watching people we know and we love and we care about struggle. And sometimes it's not as easy for us to give the praise when things are falling apart around us. This is why I love this opportunity that we have as we close in worship to come and gather together in prayer to recognize that we serve and we worship a God who walks with us no matter what we are going through, through the praises, through the hallelujahs, and through the low and the dark moments. So in a moment, I'm gonna ask if you are coming in here this morning and something is weighing on your heart, something is heavy either on your behalf or on behalf of someone else, I'm gonna invite you to take a step of boldness and just to take a seat and to say that I wanna ask my brothers and sisters around me in Christ here to be able to lay hands on and pray over me this morning. And if you are sitting around and you see someone who is sitting down, I would invite you then to take a step of boldness if they're comfortable to go and to place hands on them and to pray over them. And even if you're not close enough or you see someone, I would even encourage you just to extend a hand towards those that are sitting around as we go to God in prayer. Let's pray this morning. Heavenly Father, we are grateful and thankful to be gathered together as a family, as the body of you, Lord, this morning in this place. We thank you for the reminders, Lord, of what it means to offer you praise, to offer you worship, even when it seems like everything around us is crumbling. Lord, I know how struck I have been by going through and rereading the story of you and as you traveled back to witness the death of Lazarus and to raise him up from that. But before that moment, there was a moment, Lord, where you sat and where you wept, where you experienced grief, where you experienced sadness, where you experienced mourning. And that to me shows us, Lord, that even amidst our hurting, amidst our brokenness and our suffering, you understand you know, Lord, and you still love us. And for those of us that are celebrating great joys, that are celebrating praises, Lord, may you again be given all the glory for that. And we thank you for the ways that you are moving. Where we are so grateful to be a part of such a great community here in Spring Lake and the surrounding areas where we have so many great churches, Lord, that are just seeking to faithfully serve you as they faithfully serve the community. So this morning we want to lift up Ferrysburg Community Church. We thank you for the work that they are doing. We thank you for the people that have been impacted by having encounters with you and your spirit there. 
We pray over Pastor Nate as he is giving the message this morning. We pray that the words that come from his lips, Lord, would not be from his own thoughts, from his own wisdom, but would solely be from you. And everybody there is able to have a real and true encounter with you. Lord, beyond our community, we are so grateful to partner with so many people around the world who have taken up a calling to serve you and to serve people outside of their context, of their community, where they may have grown up, where they may be comfortable with. And so this morning, we are grateful to partner alongside and to lift up Ben and Deanna Vierink as they are serving in Santiago de Cali, working with Youth With a Mission. We lift up Ben as he is continuing his seminary education. We thank you for the opportunity that he has to continue to grow and to learn as a pastor and a leader. But we also know that with family and with work and so many other things that sometimes classes and lectures and homework can pile up and can feel draining. We pray that you will give him energy and strength and renewal and that you will continually pour into him through this experience as he seeks to continue the education. Lord, we pray for Deanna and we pray for her pregnancy. Lord, what a gift, what a blessing, what a joy the opportunity is to bring new life into this world. So we pray for safety and health for her and for the newborn as it is growing, and we pray that her family is able to walk alongside her to take care of her as they get ready to welcome the new little one into the world. We pray over their daughter, Abigail, and her homeschooling, Lord. We pray for wisdom and discernment from the parents as they are helping to coach and guide and to teach her. And for Abigail, we just pray that she is able to learn well that you allow her to grow and continue furthering her education so that she can go and be somebody who changes the world for you. May she continue to grow and develop friendships with people her age and around so that she has a community that is pouring into her as she continues on this journey in life. And Lord, we are just thankful that we have this moment to be together and to worship you. Let us not take it for granted that there are brothers and sisters in Christ all around the world who don't have this opportunity, who even the very thought of an idea like this is completely almost impossible for them. But we are here, we are in your presence and we are grateful, Lord. So I pray through our time of worship, through our time of prayer, through the message that you have given to Pete that he will deliver, that we would all just have a tangible moment to experience you and your presence. Not only for today, not only for tomorrow, not only for this week, but for the rest of this month, for the rest of this year, Lord, and for the rest of our lives. We love you, we thank you, and we ask and pray all of these things in your name, amen. You may be seated. Well, welcome this morning to those of you that are regulars here. Thank you for being back. Thank you for continuing to be a part of our All Shores family. We are excited to have you with us. For those of you that are joining online, thank you for tuning in. We hope this service will continue to be a blessing to you. If you are new here, welcome. We are glad that you have chosen to join us this morning. I hope that you were greeted warmly 
And I hope that this has been a time where you have really felt God's presence on your lives. How many of us in this room are grateful for having that extra hour this morning to sleep in? I know. Hopefully you didn't follow in the same steps of your high school pastor. I did not take advantage of that. Um, the Alabama LSU game was, was way too good, so I stayed up a little bit later than I should have. But I'm grateful to be here and connecting with you this morning. And if you are new and you are looking for an opportunity to connect, on the back of the seats in front of you, we have these little QR codes on the back. And again, if you're still unfamiliar with what that is or how to use that, turn to somebody that looks like they use their smartphone a lot more and they will be able to help you with that. But these Connect cards are an opportunity for you to share some information with us solely so that we have the opportunity to be connected with you so that we can reach out to you, that we can get to know you and to start to build that relationship. And maybe you're coming in here this morning, whether you've been here or you're new and you're saying, I have a heart, I have a passion to serve. I would also invite you, fill out that Connect card. Let us know what you're thinking, what's going on in your heart, what we can be praying for you, or if there are areas where you would love to get involved and we would love to just reach out to make that connection with you. As far as announcements go, there's only one main thing. You guys have heard us talking about it many times if you've been here before, and that is about the journey. We are restarting the journey today. It is happening right now during the 11 a.m. service. And if that's something that you would be interested in being a part of, I would encourage you to check that out. Now, the journey is not a membership class. It is not only for if you've only been coming to All Shores for a few weeks. It is for anyone here that is looking to get connected with others, that is looking to learn more about the mission and the vision that we have here at All Shores, Or maybe you're looking just to get to know more about yourself. What are your gifts? What are your passions? Where do you feel God might be calling you to take a next step in your faith, to take a next step in your involvement here at All Shores? Maybe there's a place where he's calling you to serve and you're not quite sure how to explore that. The journey is available for you and we would love to have you walk with us through that process with step one starting today. I know I've had an opportunity to start going through the journey and just the things that I've learned as I'm still relatively new around here and as I'm growing and learning and finding out areas where God may be calling and equipping me outside of my staff role has been so beautiful. So I hope that you guys will consider joining us for the journey, whether you've been here for 30 minutes or whether you've been here for 30 years. We'd love to see you there. Last part of our morning worship is the giving of our tithes and offerings. We are so grateful to be a part of our church body that is willing to support us, that is willing to show that they trust with how we are stewarding our resources to support our community and to support the world around us as we have our commitment to global missions. And so there are ways that you can give as you see on the screen online, or if you're a bit more comfortable with doing so in person, there's some boxes in the back of the room where you are able to give as well. Let me encourage you, if you are a regular part of our family, know that your giving is going towards the mission and the vision that God has given us here at All Shores, that we may support this community, that we may support our global visions, and that we may be faithful stewards with what God has given us. So we would encourage you to be a regular part of that. If you are a guest here, however, there is no obligation for you to give. 
We hope that this service, this time being with us this morning is gift enough for you. But if you feel God laying that on your heart this morning, know that we would love to start and have a conversation with you about that. We're excited to be here this morning. We're thankful for the message that Pete has for us this morning. And now I would ask that you turn your attentions towards the screen as we get ready to hear from Pete. those joining us online and all of you here in our Spring Lake campus. So appreciative that you're here with us today. We're in a, the fifth week of a series that we've titled Give or Take. And I want to give you just a minute in the quiet to pray that we don't believe it's about information or persuasion. We really believe God wants to reveal himself to you. And so whether you're among us searching, whether you have doubts, skepticism, whether you're following and struggling, whether you're following and flourishing, somewhere in between, we just want you to be honest with God. This is where I am today and ask him to speak to you. You pray in the quiet and then I will pray for us together. Lord, I thank you on behalf of all of us that you run after us, that you reveal yourself to us. So I'm just asking that you do that today, that nothing would hinder that. For any among us who are living in doubt and struggle and confusion, maybe even dismay, that whether I have to say anything that impacts them or not, that you'd speak to them. I pray for all of us, God, that you would help us to know you more and to love you more and to live for you more out of what we learned today. So we simply invite your spirit to uniquely breathe on us individually, collectively, in our families, in our contexts, in our lives. Lord, I pray as always that anything I have to say that's not from you, let it fall to the ground, let it be forgotten. But I do pray that anything that's from you, Lord, that you would breathe life and hope and freshness into us. I join with the psalmist praying the words I speak and the way we respond in our hearts and actions would please you, our rock and our redeemer. And everybody said, amen. amen just means it's true. So uh, I want to take you back to when I was in high school and uh, where I grew up. I grew up in the middle of the state. It was a suburb of Lansing. East of that is East Lansing and then Okemos is one more over. And uh, a lot of my friends, uh, their families had second homes because there was no water around us there. So they all had homes, most of them in Charlevoix. And many of them would go up there on weekends or in the summer and uh, mine did not, but uh, you'd get invited up a lot of times. So I got invited up probably my junior or senior year, I don't even remember which it was, uh, with a friend. And when we were up there, I discovered that his mom was actually the head of Charlevoix Productions. Now, 
Not that you should all know what that is, but uh, there's a thing called Castle Farms up there. It's now a wedding venue, but when I was in high school, it was a concert, outdoor concert hall. And what that meant was he got to do all this work for the bands at the concerts. That's what it meant. And I got invited into that little circle. So for that summer, I was hospitality for the bands. Now, what happens when you are hospitality for the bands are they give you a little shirt that says security. And the first thing I learned was when people see a shirt with security, they actually think you're tougher than you are. For this small man in stature, it was one day of big manhood every time I went anywhere. Because if I said anything, sometimes I just did it for fun. People doing things like, don't do that. Okay, man, back off. I was like, oh, my goodness. Is this what it's like to be strong and fear-mongering? I wish I had this everywhere. I wanted to take it home. But you also had other things that were fun. I met a lot of the bands, so we had everybody from the police up there. That was kind of the biggest one of the summer. We had Ozzy Osbourne, and though I'm not a huge Ozzy fan, I love the music behind it, and that was, not that all of you will care, but I'm telling you anyway, Brad Gillis had just become his guitarist, and um, they did this, like, 20-minute sound check, and it was the best part of the whole concert. Like, I just sat out there going, it's just for me. John Cougar Mellencamp was up there that summer, and he had his own band, had a separate little studio they used in one of our little rooms. So I listened to them jam. I mean, they were really fun things. Hart was up there and Aldo Nova was up there. One of my favorite moments was his manager thinking Aldo Nova was a big deal. And he's like, hey, why doesn't Aldo get a bigger dressing room? And I heard a production manager say, because he's not as big as Blue Oyster Cult. So there were a lot of just these fun things that happened and all sorts of things uh, that I went through. A flock of seagulls and the Go-Go's were there. I can't even remember the Oak Ridge Boys, yeah. It's just funny all the things you go through. But my job, was to basically provide everything to the dressing rooms and to the band. So it was driving them, getting things for them. And one of the things you have is you're responsible for down to every detail in the contract, what food is there, what drinks are there, everything. And in case you don't know, some bands get very particular about that. There's kind of this wonderful story that goes around, particularly about Van Halen. They weren't there that summer, but um, where they asked for all the brown M&Ms out of their M&Ms. And... Uh, and you hear those stories, you think, these people are just pushing the limits to see what they can get, aren't they? I mean, it's just irritating. If I were that famous, I wouldn't do that. So later, I read a story, and I'm not sure the validity, but it's, a, it's what David Lee Ross said, that, that basically Van Halen did that because what they found was there, there are a lot of complexities to these contracts. I mean, they need everything from space for all these trucks to certain loads that the, the stages can handle to all sorts of other facets. And when people don't get them right, everything can fall apart. So they put details, little things like M&Ms, because they could go in the dressing room, and if those weren't done right, that raised questions of everything else. In other words, we're going to give them something little, and when they deal with the little, it'll tell us how they deal with the big. Does that make sense? And so it did make sense when you get it. And I give you this picture because in this part of the series of what we've called Give or Take, we're going to look at something, and we started it last week, Thad did, with just kind of an area of how we're givers or takers that is a little area, but it kind of fuels everything else. It helps us see the bigger ones. So, so I want you to get that facet of it. When we began the series, we started with just very simply, and I'm not going to go through all of it, but we started with Jesus and the reality of his giving nature, that God himself gives by coming in the flesh to humanity. And Jesus makes it very clear, the greatest act of love is giving of your life for someone else. And then God tells us even while we're sinners, he died, meaning he came out of love to give of himself for us. It's his very nature. And then that second week, Dina let, taught us about the role we play and how it will be different among us. That was such a powerful statement. It will be different for us. And just this idea that people who follow Jesus are servants 
They're not masters. And the whole idea of living differently as servants, because servants give to others, they live differently for others. And then we looked at the whole issue of loving your enemy and how there's no, no kind of picture of return of investment. We love even those that we most struggle with because Jesus is that way to us. And last week, Thad began helping us understand the role of this, what I call the M&M. So let me show you. I just want to go back to part of the passage that Thad taught us and show you where we began with kind of turning into how we get a, this is, if we understand this, we'll understand the bigger of how we do or don't. So this is what Jesus says. If you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? Now, we looked at the shrewd manager and the way he was very generous, the way he worked things to help give and, and take care of. But what I want you to see is Jesus is saying very simply, worldly wealth is here and true riches are different. In other words, worldly wealth is the M&M of how we know that we care and are entrusted with the bigger things. You get the picture? Just to get the picture. Now, so this week and next, we're going to look at two very particular categories that we can learn from as it relates to being entrusted with resources, with money. Now, I will tell you to a fault, I sometimes cringe when we talk about money because people have such a hostility about like, oh, great, that's my money. It's my money. You're just so selfish. You want to, like, there's a mistrust of the church and mistrust in general about when people ask for money. And, and they do it all sorts of ways that we kind of put the, the cheesy factor on all it. Like, oh, no. So here's what I want to do to clear that deck. This is about how you handle it. If you don't trust us, you, hit, you give it somewhere else. But don't you dare give yourself off the hook because you think I have some ulterior motive. Like, we're going to deal with this because it's important. And by the way, it's in lots of scriptures facing that our, our resources kind of tell in this little way how we live in bigger ways. So today we're going to look at what the poor have to teach us about our money. And next week we're going to look at how the church speaks to the rich as well. So the poor and the rich, that's how we're going to look. And I think there's something for us to learn in both of that. So you with me? We're at M&M's. We're seeing what it means for the rest of life. Good to go? Okay. Here we go. So we're going to look at a letter that Paul writes. This is the second letter. He writes two to the church in Corinth. And when he writes this, uh, very simply, he's doing some correction of them. I'll, I'll give you a little background. He has some things they've not been living well or doing well. And so he's writing to them to course correct and really challenge some things. But I'll, in particular, he's writing in this section about some money he wants them to give the church in Jerusalem. And the only reason I want you to understand this is Jerusalem's where the church begins. That's where Jesus rose. It's where the early disciples are. And they thought at that time it was just for the Jews to follow Jesus. Paul becomes the one that begins to bring Jesus all to the rest of the world. And so it's interesting. What he's going to do is he's going to ask these people in Corinth to give back to these Jewish Christians. It's crossing some lines for that. And that, that alone is just kind of cool. Like Paul's going, hey, I want you to pony up and help the church here. Like I want you to give to other people. And so we're going to begin. That's what Paul's doing. And I want you to kind of see where he goes in this and what it says to us. What we learn from the poor about resources and about money. Who begins? Now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. So you always, many of us think, well, we got to point to all these things we need to do. He's, all he's doing is going to, I want you to look at this group of people. This is my example for you of how the church can be and what we can be. Now, I, I don't need to give you a lot of background on the churches in Macedonia, but there's some kind of interesting parts for me that have been really profound. 
So when Paul is first kind of expanding from city to city and helping people discover Jesus and churches are growing up, the church is growing up in different cities all through Asia Minor, which is Turkey. Uh, he's going to different places for different reasons. It's not like he sat down and said, here's the map, here's the strategy, but there's some of that. So one of the things is he'll make a strategic plan. Sometimes it's out of a relationship they go to another city. There's times where God leads them and times where he doesn't. So at the time of, of him talking about this that would lead him to even know the Macedonian churches, he's making his way up Turkey, basically. And it says that he wanted to go to this one area and the spirit wouldn't let him. We don't know what that means other than there was a barrier he couldn't go. So I just think it's funny, like there's sometimes where, where it says mystical thing, you can't do that. There's times where he breaks relationship and out of a negative thing, they go and expand the church. There's times where he has a friend that's in this city, so they go there. So basically, then they start turning another way and they head all the way over to the coast, where, what is now in Turkey, it's called Torres. And they're gonna go down the coast because they don't know where else to go. And it says, in, an, in a night, Paul had a vision of a man crying out, begging him, we need your help in Macedonia. And that's the impetus for why they get on a boat and now go to another direction. Now, I just find that crazy because imagine, hey, nobody in the world knows Jesus, so where should we go? I don't know. Let's go north for a bit. Oh, maybe this would be strategic. Let's go there. Oh, no, let's do that. And then they go somewhere else. And he literally has a vision at night saying, go help us. We need you. Now, that gives us a background because the church in Macedonia is going through some really hard things. I just want you to miss this. Paul is with this. In fact, Philippi is one of the, the churches in this area, and that's a, you have a letter that Paul wrote to that church. But when he's saying, I want you to know about this grace, he's saying this is a church that's in trouble, that's really living in a hard setting, in a hard context. And I want to use them as an example for you. And this is then what he writes. He says, in the midst of a very severe trial... Their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. Does that sound weird to anybody? No, normal? You know, severe trial, joy. Oh, yeah, those go together. Hey, how bad your life? Horrible. You must be really joyful. Oh, and by the way, you don't have anything to give. That's crazy. I mean, you do realize this doesn't make sense, right? Okay. I, I always love that we act like it's all... Of course it did. Yes, that's what it says. Like, come on, let's be honest. That is whacked. I mean, this like, severe trial, overflowing joy, don't get those. Extreme poverty, lots of generosity. That's weird. That's, that's what I like to call, very simply, goofy math. <laughs> but there's a serious lesson in this. And this is where I want us to begin. Remember I said, Paul wants to help us, the church wants to help us see how Poor and poverty can actually reveal something beautiful to us about God's nature and generosity. So I want you to think about this as an equation. Severe trial plus overflowing joy plus extreme poverty. It was years ago that John Ortberg kind of coined this as a, as a math statement. So, so let me stop for a minute. Severe trial. Can we agree in, a, in our bones that we long for things to be comfortable, positive, and going well? Can, raise your hand if that's what you're looking for. Yep. It's not what Jesus says it's supposed to be. Did you know that? Isn't that crazy and weird? Like, oh, I thought he suffered so I'd have awesome. It's, a, it's wild because Paul speaks of this again and again, and some of the early apostles do too, about trial, severe trial, actually does its work in us to transform us. 
That's why those are together, by the way, severe trial and overwhelming joy. Paul says it over again. Oh, I love my sufferings. I have this great joy. Oh, I see it here. They have joy. And he literally saw this group of people that had joy in the midst of suffering. Now, in case you don't know, the way we want it is things to go well, I'll be really happy, and I'll have lots of money. That's what we think of. All three of these mess with that. So you're welcome. I know you thought it was time change. It's also worldview change today. It's really interesting to me, and I, I want to pull back for a minute with our own, what level of difficulty we've all gone through, or maybe even say we are. Here's what we do. When things get difficult, we isolate and often medicate. In other words, when life gets harder, we hide out and we try to escape. And you know why the early church, I believe, had joy in the midst of it? Because in their struggle, guess what they did? They came together. And it's, if I could take one thing and get us to change on it, it would be when life is hard, get together, don't run away. I'm leaving the table. I'm not coming to anyone. I'm going to hide. We have this idea that if I hide, somehow it'll get better and then I'll show up again. And the church, we need each other. You know, one of the beautiful things I think Paul saw in Macedonia all throughout is this crazy cool thing that when they came together, there was a different strength, a different maturity, a different completeness that brought overflowing joy. By the way, it's not trickle joy. It's not when you got to fight to find it. These people were crazy joyful. Tell me that doesn't sound confusing and weird. If you want to learn more specifically about this, just read the letter to the church in Philippi. The Philippians is what it's called. It's in the New Testament. It's considered the epistle of joy. Paul writes about joy more than anything in there. And you know what you're going to find? Their joy is not contingent on their circumstances at all. Whew. Now, do you realize that takes a new level of learning for us, doesn't it? Let's just agree. Because the final one is extreme poverty. This isn't poverty like, man... I don't know if I can make the car payment this month or, man, I'm going to probably have to get a used car instead of a new car. You know, my house isn't like, I'm going to have to rent, I can't even buy. This is, I don't know how I'm going to afford food today. I don't know what I'm going to do to sleep tonight. Poverty. This is poverty that people make choices about. Will I either get the medicine I need or will I get the food I need? This is poverty that we don't know or understand where we look and say, why did you pick that? And they're going, because my only two choices both had a consequence. This is the kind of poverty that we hear about around the world that causes people to do work that's horrible and difficult, even trafficking kinds of things, because it's the only way to survive. You think there's something you and I can learn from this? You bet there is. And that's what he's saying to the church in Corinth, he's saying, guess what? These three together, these people had rich generosity. Whew. It doesn't make sense, does it? I mean, come on, that just sounds so counterintuitive to what you and I believe, think, and know. I need to get more and make more so I can give more. But the weird thing is, the more we have, proportionately, the less we give. It's weird that it doesn't work that way. Now, I want to be clear on this idea of rich generosity. It's really like two major words coming together to say it again and again. Rich just means abundant. It's like not ending. It's overflowing. And generosity means single-mindedness. Like it's what you want. It's all you want. It's what you focus on. Do you always like to be single-minded about something? Any of you raise children? 
children. I, I, we've raised four, and all of them had things they were single-minded about at different times. But one of our kids in particular was quite persistent and overflowing about his single-mindedness. So when he was little, uh, if, when, when I was heading to work, he did not like me to leave. He would stand by the door and tell me not to go. And this would go on for quite a long time, which, by the way, is tormenting when your child doesn't want you to leave, but it's also quite cool. It didn't happen so much when he was 16, but it happened when he was earlier. Now, he also, it was just wild to me how persistent he was about things. As he got older and would want to talk to me about something, if it was something he wanted deeply, he would be very emphatic about it, but he would also be relentless. So at that time, I had uh, an office phone. I had a separate phone that was a private line, and then I at some point had a cell. So if he called me, he would try my office, then my private line, then my cell, then my office, then my private line, then my cell, then my office, then my... I, I'm serious. This would go on until I answered. It didn't matter what was going on in my office. I was going to listen to rings cyclically. You know why? Because he was single-minded. And what I loved, whenever I picked up, it was something he needed. It was like, Dad, you have no idea. I've been thinking about this all day. If only on your way home, could you? Dad, can you? Like it was one thing and one thing only. But that's the way he's describing this. These people were one way minded in generosity in the midst of all they'd been through. It actually lent them to get this way. Isn't that amazing? I want you to hear how he goes on really simply to describe them. I testify, this is what he says, I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing this in the service to the Lord's people. I mean, I don't, I don't want you to miss, I want you to see just all the statements it makes about them because they are so cool. I testify they gave as much as they were able. Challenge anybody already? I mean, they gave as much as they were able. Oh, by the way, even beyond what they could give, beyond their ability, entirely on their own. There was no guilt or push. They even urgently pleaded to give. Oh, please. And why? For the privilege. I love this. The privilege of sharing. Isn't that crazy? Does anybody read that and go, you've got to be kidding me? I mean, some of us are generous, and I'm grateful. And there are levels of generosity. We love to give out of what we have. This is a generosity that is so focused. They're saying, how can we? How can we more? Which, by the way, Paul thought you're giving too much. No, 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 we want to. We want to give beyond what we can. Oh, and by the way, could we share in this? And this is a privilege for us. Can, can anyone agree with me that is beyond my scope of understanding? I mean, it's wild, isn't it? It's inspiring when you hear this. And you're going, something happened, and Paul saw this, that is so captivating and so profound. Sometimes I wonder, and I don't, I can't say this for certain, but I, I do wonder at times. It's, it's an interesting piece. Jesus often speaks of the blessing of being poor. And, and one thing I know with, with uh, physical poverty and difficulty is you have no illusions you can do anything on your own. And you really are completely dependent on God. And I think the more we have, the less we actually think that's true. I want to say it again. I think the more we have, the less we actually believe that's true. 
we start to think, yeah, God really did forgive me, but man, I am pretty good at this, and I'm doing pretty good on my own, and look what I've done, and look what I have. And I just wonder sometimes, the more we understand our spiritual poverty, the more we understand how it is exactly physical poverty. It's just not dressed up anymore. And I think there's something that compels them. They understood how deeply Jesus loved them and it compelled them to live like he lived. They're asking and looking for it. I just find that amazing to read of. Paul goes on to kind of give what the source of this is. He says, they exceeded our expectations, which we spoke of, and here's what they did. They gave themselves first to the Lord and then through that by the will of God to us. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord and by the will of God also to us. You know, a few weeks ago uh, when Dina was teaching us about God's call to be the servants of all and be his slave, she went through the two words of this and I, I think it fits right here and I wanna pull it back. Because it says you're servants to all and being a servant literally means to take care of. She used it as an example like being in a restaurant and taking care of the people around you. But being a slave, which is what it says that we are to Jesus, says, you're my master and I live for you. And they gave themselves first to the master, you're mine. I am your servant and your slave, your king. I follow you at everything in every way. I'm yours, whatever it means, I will follow. And out of that, we serve people. See, we're not slaves to people. We don't do it because they demand it. We do it because Jesus, as he invites us, he invites us to serve others. Tell me that's not a cool picture. Like, oh, Here's what I keep thinking about. I don't know about you, but I work a lot of my life to get ahead, to succeed, to do well, to have things, and even have comfort and peace. And all of those things are so, they have so much potential to get thrown away, don't they? And then what we get is mad. Don't you touch my stuff. Don't you take away my life. Don't you do something. Guess what? When you and I are saying he's ours and we're here to serve people, our hands go from this to this. I always wonder why Jesus speaks of money in such a way that says it's a way to see what's around the rest of us, to see that it's the M&Ms that tell how we'll live the rest of life. And I think, I think there's something in us that says it, it's the one part we want to take instead of give. It's the one part we live differently than Jesus calls us to live. It's the one part he's inviting us to act and be differently. Let me take you to where Paul finishes this. He says, we urge Titus, who was there helping, just as he had earlier made a beginning, at the beginning, to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. In other words, there's something incomplete in you people of Corinth. Since you excel, he's telling the areas they do excel. You excel in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness and love that we have kindled in you. In other words, you excel at the things that you're stepping out, but see also, you excel in this grace of giving. Now, this is a very different way to ask them to participate. He's not saying, hey, the church has a need. He's saying, guess what? I want you to look at this church in Macedonia and go, these people had a mess to deal with. And somehow in that mess and struggle, they found joy together. And somehow in that joy and that mess, even in their poverty, they initiated and said, how can we be part of helping others? Isn't that powerful? 
I mean, I love the picture. I'm inspired by the picture. And sometimes I'm embarrassed of how far I am from it. Because I know God has more for us than we're living in. You know, I'm going to give us time in a few minutes here to kind of respond in prayer. Well, we'll just ask, is there anything holding you back? Holding you back from really being committed to him? Holding you back from moving towards this idea of generosity? I'm not asking you to manufacture it or give begrudgingly or any of that. One of the things I love about Paul in this, later in this text, he'll say, listen, you give what God shows you in your heart. You don't give out of any kind of obligation. You seek him. And I'm not asking for anything for us in particular right now. I'm asking this more from the attitude you have in your lives. But let me give you this one picture to try and help. So many of you would recognize this. It's, a, you know, the Salvation Army buckets. We often see people doing the, the bells and, and them raising money this way at Christmas. I did some reading this last week. You know, there's a lot of things people put in those buckets that are not money. Yeah, I mean, some things are, are weird, like gum and, um, you know, somebody put a one of the places said they found a big ball of lint from a pocket. Like that's, I don't know why they did that. That's, you know, funny things. Somebody gave coupons. Sometimes people put lottery tickets in there. Hopefully not ones that have passed already. At least they're giving some hope to it. I mean, all sorts of funny things, paper clips, staples. People also put in things like gold fillings and gold teeth. Yep, there are times where, I mean, and they, they are worth money. It's not like there aren't people put watches in, all sorts of things. But this one lieutenant in Boston tells a story of the most unique gift they remembered, at least. And, and they open it up, and there was a paper wrapped around it with some writing, and inside there was a wedding band and the, and the engagement ring with it. And on it, the woman had written, my husband, who just passed away, was very generous and always wanted to help, especially at Christmas. And as a reflection of who he is, I'm giving you this. And as it turned out, it, it actually expanded in this particular one, the Street value was about 1800 and I don't know why, but when they sold it, it went for $22,000. All used to help dramatically. But she also attached a writing, a statement that her husband really lived in his life and cared about. And that's what grabbed me the most. And this is what he said. To find out what a man is worth, take away his money and his possessions. And uh, I found myself all week pondering that. Because I think oftentimes we somehow put our worth and our value by our assets, our pocketbooks, our houses, our cars. Fill in the blank of what it is. We somehow see ourselves as more or less worthy depending on or in comparison to. And isn't it interesting that poverty itself actually frees us from that? Like I love I love what this really means. It's this, that money and possessions do not measure our worth. Did you know that God cherishes you and it has nothing to do with what you've accomplished financially or what you've accomplished in those things to move ahead? Generosity shatters the lie. See, this is what I think we can learn from people who are more distraught and more in struggle. And what specifically I think Paul would say to us with this poor church in Macedonia is, guess what? You want to be free? Let go. Because if I'm going to show you a group of people that lived in severe trial, had unbelievable overflowing joy, and even in their extreme poverty, they couldn't help but want to initiate giving. Is anybody else just messed up by that? I mean, in a good way. Like, it, for me, it's this thing where I go, it doesn't make sense, but I know it's true. I know it's true. So I want to guide us through 
some prayer. And I want to just ask these two questions of you very simply. What is holding you back from fully giving yourself to Jesus? I'm going to ask the Spirit just to lead you on that. I don't know what it is. And I'll ask you the second one, which is what is holding you back from rich generosity? Like, I want the Lord to meet us in this. I'm not saying you should do something or you have to. And for me, a lot of times these pieces, I have to just confess what's holding me back. (laughs) One thing I've learned in the course of my Christian life, I make decisions that don't always make sense. And if I really knew the outcomes, I'm not sure I'd be willing to. But when I make them, it always leads me to a better place. In other words, I think it's good God doesn't always show me what's going to happen. But I never go and go, man, I wish I had known that. I wouldn't have done it. But I think I go, if I'd have known it, I'm not sure I would have had the courage to do it. Man, I wonder what we need to learn from the poor today. To be people that are generous. Because I don't know about you, but I want to have an attitude that says, I want to, not I have to. So I'm going to ask you to close your eyes, and I'm just going to lead us, kind of invite the Holy Spirit to speak to you. And when I do that, I'll say to you, it's, it's for some people, it's thoughts they'll get. Sometimes it's an emotion. You can feel peace or feel just a sense of direction. Sometimes it's something, a picture that comes right to mind. You know, the Lord's kind of directing me this way. I'm asking you just to access and, and consider that. So, Lord, I ask right now you'd speak to each person among us. Any here would say there's something holding me back from being fully yours. God, would you show them what it is? Would you show anyone among us who's not following Jesus yet? They just haven't gone that far in this trip to hear your gentle whisper going, let go of it all. To know and ask for your forgiveness and know that it's your sacrifice and death and generosity that leads them to trust you with their life. I pray for others of us who follow you, but we're holding X, Y, and Z back. Would you show us those things that keep a grip on us, that keep us from fully saying we are yours? God, show us where it's a circumstance. If you make that better, then I'll be yours. If you fix this, then I'll be yours. Or I love this, I don't want to let go of that. Or I need this because I feel better about myself. God, would you help us to let let go with our hands and to just release to you? And then, Lord, I pray the same way as I think of generosity, rich generosity. Would you show us what it might be that keeps us either being takers or even people that just want to match? I'll give as long as I get, or I'll match, I'll give out of my abundance so it doesn't cost me anything. I don't know what you're saying, Lord, but would you lead each one in that avenue? Just some step forward in that. And finally, God, I pray for those in any kind of trial right now. Would you help them not to isolate, not to escape and medicate, but to actually come together and be vulnerable and look for support and help and help us to be people that love each other in the midst of the mess. Holy Spirit, we cannot cultivate generosity, but we're asking you to in our lives. And I pray this in the name and power of Jesus. Amen. I want to invite you to stand. We try to give a little space when we're done with the teaching to worship and to have communion. And we believe it's a space we're kind of increasing the environment for the Spirit to lead however he wants to. So as we sing, I would ask you to become an audience of the very words you sing. 
Because these are words of our becoming enamored with Jesus. Hey, if you don't feel him, ask God to help you cultivate him. Be honest, you don't. But let God meet you in it, and then we'll celebrate communion and finish with the conclusion of the song. Jesus, Jesus, precious Lord, none on the earth or heavens above, I have found more beautiful, you are my treasure, my great I just want to move your heart. It's all I want to do. I just want to stand in awe and pour my love on you, no matter how much love costs. I freely give it all to you. Oh. seated just for a minute or two. You should have gotten the communion cups when you came in. It's called the Lord's Supper or communion. It has bread at the first level as you tear off and the drink at the second. We don't have rules here that you have to be a member here. We try to encourage that if you're a follower of Jesus, this is a wonderful ritual that we have, a sacred activity, a centering activity, if you will. If you're not there, we don't want you to feel any obligation to participate. You know, in the night Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread, he broke it, and he gave thanks. He said, this is my body given for you. He did not do it in order to love us. He did it because he loves us. He looks at you, and he says, you're my cherished son. You're my cherished daughter. And because I love you, in the midst of all this mess, all that you've done, all the enemy you've become to me, I love you and die for you. 
And we receive that again and again and again. We are reminded and renewed. So may you take of the bread. One of the beauties that Paul talks about, and he does this actually with the church in Corinth, he says that we're one loaf. He looks at the bread and he goes, when you have communion, you're reminded we're all part of the same family. By the way, severe trial, get together. Don't hide. Communion, stay at the table together. Don't run away. Don't disassociate with each other. On the same night, he took the cup. He said, it's a new covenant in my blood for the forgiveness of sins. And we are always reminded we are at the same table with every brother and sister in Christ in every tribe, every nation, every part of the world, all through history. That's what we drink of is our shared family. Let's take of the cup. And I am asking the Lord to meet us in this. It wouldn't be just a routine. I don't know whether you'll think about it, whether you'll experience anything, even feel anything, but I know it's true. And so I'm gonna ask you to stand. We're gonna sing this bridge and close our time together. And it's gonna invite you to offer things up to God. And I'll say it this way. You're gonna sing things I think that'd be hard to do. They're hard for me to do. So let's just set aside our smartness. <laughs> let's go, you know what, God, I'm, I'm offering this whether I even know I can do it or not. I'm singing this in faith, trusting you will help me to live this way. Let's respond together. Is it a fragrance? Then I'll pour my oil out. Is it a life laid down? Oh, then here I give my vows. Is it a song I sing? Then here's every melody. God, tell me what moves you. Oh, tell me what moves you. Is it a fragrance? Here. 
give you a blessing in just a moment, but in case you don't know, those three different things we sang, it was a fragrance, I pour my oil out. There's a story that's told in all four of the accounts of a woman who takes an oil that's very, very expensive, that was obviously a very precious thing to her, her family, and pours it out on Jesus. Like she's basically saying, man, all I have, those are M&Ms, I want to give you everything. I give you all the little stuff so you can have the big stuff. When we hear things like, oh, my vow is to be yours. That's what we're saying, we're yours. We're, we're yours, you're king and we're your followers. And a melody, by the way, is a picture that God made us in our worship to overflow through our song. Like it's how we're made, just like trees blow in the wind, that's them praising, that the seas roar and we sing. Sing, God, I'm yours, I will sing and live for you. That's what we're saying when we say things like that. Man, I want to live that way, and I, I want us to live that way. Let me uh, have you place your hands out and just give you a blessing. May the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ continually fill you with his spirit. Oh, may he increasingly reveal his love for you. May he increasingly help you to let go of what you're holding on to and trust him in new ways. And may it lead you to joy for his glory. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.